Welcome to the Three Wise Men of Divorce, Money, Psych, and Law podcast. Sit down with the California divorce experts, financial divorce consultant Mark Hill, psychologist Scott Weiner, and attorney Sean Weber for a frank and casual conversation about divorce, separation, co-parenting, and the difficult decisions real people like you face during these tough times. We know that if you are looking at divorce or separation, it can be scary and overwhelming. With combined experience of over 70 years in divorce and conflict management, we are here for you and look forward to helping by sharing our unique ideas, thoughts, and perspectives on divorce, separation, and co-parenting. Greetings, folks. This is Mark Hill with Sean Weber. We are two of the three wise men of divorce. We're without Scott Weiner today, but we are going to plow on regardless. We're, we're a wise men short. We are. A couple we, tacos short of a combination platter. We are two-thirds wise men. So, um, Sean, I was uh, driving home and uh, I'm hearing uh, Christmas music already. Oh, I, it, I, I know. I know. I was outraged when I heard it the other day. In a I, center. I'm reminded of, a, of a, an artist who I love, a guy called Loudon Wainwright, who many of our listeners may know as the penner of the 70s top 10 hit, Dead Skunk in the Middle of the Road. Um, he has a song called Suddenly It's Christmas. And the first verse goes, suddenly it's Christmas right after Halloween. Forget about Thanksgiving. There's nothing in between. And the truth of the matter is that as we move into the holiday season, we start about, we start thinking perhaps in different ways about our fellow man. And I know, Sean, you had some thoughts around a concept that we might talk about today. Well, I mean, okay, so we come from the horror and terror of Halloween, right? <laughs> and some people may view their divorce as something akin to a Halloween haunted house experience. Um, but, but, you know, between Halloween and Christmas is this day Thanksgiving. Um, which I think is kind of, you're right, it gets kind of glossed over. For me, it's the beginning of the holiday season when I celebrate Christmas. It's, it's, it's important for me, but I kind of, I refuse to sing a Christmas carol before Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but, but kind of thinking about gratitude, when you're in the throes of something as traumatic as a divorce, you know, and, and it's hard. How, it's hard to be thankful, isn't it? Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, people are. I've heard people say it's it's worse than a death. Mm -hmm. I've heard people say it was the worst experience of my life. I've heard people say it was totally worth it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, there's that I, Willie Nelson quote: "Why, why is divorce so expensive? Because it's worth it." Yeah. So, but at the same time, we've also seen people never get over it yeah, and spend the, the rest of their lives either going back and fighting it or being disadvantaged, and that's a polite term, by their connection to the past and not allowing themselves to have a future because they're so bitter about what occurred during the divorce. Yeah. Yeah, it drags you down. And yet, if you think about it, when you're married to somebody... There's always things you are grateful for. Yes, you might be mad at them. You might be upset about certain things. But there's obviously been things in your past where you have been grateful and thankful for what they've done for you. 
So perhaps we could talk a little bit about how incorporating some of those older feelings into the process might actually be a strategically smart thing to do. Yeah, I always call it honoring what was good about your marriage as you transition out of this chapter in your life. Honoring what was good. Maybe, maybe things are rough right now, or maybe, maybe it's hard to think about what was good because maybe the behavior on the other side, maybe your own behavior, maybe just you feel like it's the end of the world. But, but what was good about what you, that experience that you had, this chapter that you're closing now, what was good about that? We had a case a few weeks back where there'd been a real disagreement about how a property owned by one spouse was going to be treated during the marriage as there was a misunderstanding between the couple about whether it was going to become community property or whether it was going to remain the separate property of the spouse that owned it prior to marriage. And there was a real sort of push and shove around this. Wife felt that she'd been disadvantaged. Husband felt she was coming after something that was obviously his. Um, And we were able to help them have a conversation where she acknowledged that you know, he had not deliberately tried to mislead her Mm. and that she was appreciative of the fact that that was not what he was trying to do. And it really broke a logjam. Yeah, it did. Really a powerful expression of of really, you know, not ascribing the worst motives. And again, we had another case today where we had a situation where the worst motives were being ascribed all the way through because of somebody's fear. Yeah. So these negative emotions can really cloud um, what is good. Yeah. And, and okay. I'm, I'm not naive enough to think that there isn't a reason for the negative emotions, right? There's, there's a history there's a reason we're getting divorced. I always joke with people, you know, I get it. Things aren't butterflies yep. and rainbows and unicorns. That's why you're in my office. But um, what can we do as far as looking forward and being present? And I was really impressed with this quote I found on the internet webs. You know, all good things are on the internet, right? Um, by Melody Beatty. I'm not sure who that is. B-E-A-T-T-I-E. But she said something smart. Gratitude makes sense of our past brings peace for today and creates vision for tomorrow. So how would, how would we apply that to doors? We've seen it where, you know, where we, we caucus with couples who are having a really hard time. The stay at home spouse feels totally underappreciated for all the things done, taking care of the home and the children, the, a uh, working spouse feels unappreciated for all the effort put in and the, and the, the hours and the, you know, what he, had, he or she had to uh, put up with at work. And they're both in their separate corners feeling underappreciated. And just a word, you know what? The way you've taken care of the kids is the most important job we have, either of us have, and I really appreciate that. Well, well that, was, I, that was the couple yeah. today, right? Yeah. You know, there was an understanding that, what she was doing to care for the kids was of supreme importance. Right. And hearing that can help a lot. And then, but then you hope for some reciprocity. Right. And that's where you don't always get it. If one is just too upset or in a, unable to enter that generous spirit, then 
the person that made the generous offer feels, well, that, I was stupid. You know, <laughs> here I am. I opened myself up. I, I, sh I showed vulnerability. And what happened was I got the door slammed in my face. And it's really easy to slide at that point, isn't it? It is to say, well, that's the last time I'm doing that. But I think you hit on something really important, and that is how gratitude and generosity are two sides of the same coin, aren't they? They go hand in glove. Yeah. Yes, they do. Yeah. It's a lot easier to be gracious when you're generous. Yes. Yeah. When I think about, you know, leaving what was bad in the past behind, but then focusing on what is good. And I've had conversations with clients, Sean, where I say, you know what, this, I can tell by the look on your face that you really don't want to say this, do you? You don't want to do this. <laughs> I, I get it. it. It sticks in your craw and it's going to be a problem. Can I suggest you try it and see how it feels? Just try it on. Just try yeah. it on for size and see if you get, if you get the kind of reaction you expect and it's negative. Well, you know what? That's the worst it's going to get. Nothing bad's going to come of it beyond that. But you may be surprised. Try it. It might fit. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what can people do to kind of focus on the positive? I mean, one thing that people can do is, number one, get, get the help that you need. If you need counseling, if you need a support group, if you need a divorce coach, um get the support and help that you need so that you can get through the process. Okay. And we've seen people throw up a lot of roadblocks. Oh, it's too expensive. Well, the most expensive thing you can do is not have a coach or a mental health professional who's assisting you and spend two or three hours with me and Sean at our billing rates, getting nowhere, having an emotional outburst from or with your spouse. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's penny wise and pound foolish, as we say. Yeah, and I, I do think talking through issues, getting advice from people can be very supportive and helpful and can help you focus on what's good and what's ahead. I always think gratitude is about what's ahead, even though we were talking about I'm grateful for something that happened, but it also it moves you forward. Yeah. You know? And it sets up a positive environment for the future because the other person has heard that you actually they actually have been acknowledged. So their future actions have a, the potential to be acknowledged in the same way. And they're more likely to repeat them because of that. Which brings me to another point, And that is, you know, there is a past and I think it's okay to recognize that, you know, we don't want to be you know, giving people pat answers. And, you know, I, I, I'm sure there's somebody listening to this right now saying, well, that's easy for you to say, but you don't know what I've been through. I've been through this awful, horrible experience. So I think you can be real about what has kind of sucked. Yeah. Still so be grateful. So I would argue be strategic. Okay. Okay. You know, this, maybe you feel you're being disingenuous and you don't really feel it. But as I say, try it on for size. I always ask people to think about what, are they trying to achieve an outcome before they employ a methodology to get there? <laughs> and that's often what happens. People come in with all their angers and their frustrations. And finally, now they've got a neutral third party, an arbiter who can listen to their complaints and take their side. 
And that is something you're laughing, but it's so true. That's all I ever wanted was my day in court and he won't give me that. So I'm delighted to have you and Sean here, Mark, so you can see what a terrible person he is. We want you to, you, we want you to tell him how awful he's been to me. And provide sanctions if he doesn't behave. Well, that's what people are hoping when they go to court, right? Yeah. And how you does know, that I, generally work? Well, it doesn't usually work very well because you go to court. I, I, I find people are less grateful when they go to court because what ends up happening is they don't, the day in court doesn't turn out the way they thought it would. Yeah. And I, I've heard so many people, if I could just tell a judge what kind of a jerk this person was or how awful this person was to me, um, you know, but it, it doesn't, judges don't do that. They don't no. sit there and take sides other than to just apply the law. And generally what they see is two people who a relatively few short years ago were able to make babies who now cannot agree how to decide the divide the furniture. Well, not a lot of sympathy there. It's like that judge I was telling you about when I, I had yep. a custody yep. case and he's, he pointed his finger at my client and said, do you love your children? <laughs> he pointed <laughs> at the other client. Do you love your children? Well, I don't love your children. <laughs> <laughs> Go outside and sort this out. <laughs> and I think that's so real. I mean, just kind of being realistic about it. Yeah. Okay, so what can we be grateful in that moment? It's it's hard to think about gratitude when you're in a in, when you're locked in warfare. So you avoid know? the first of all, avoid the warfare. Yeah, it doesn't if have to be a battle. Ever, it you know it's a it's a it's a difficult process. It's a process that requires your engagement in a time where you want to disengage, and that's tough in and of itself. But the way you divorce will inform so much about your future. It'll inform a lot about your children's future, but also your own happiness and sense of self. If you can look mm. back on it and said, it was tough, but you know what? I did the best I could. And to some degree I did okay. Yeah. We were able to work this out and look, our kid did not get screwed up in this. That's an achievement in and of itself. So going back to what I said about being strategic, what outcome do you want? Now let's talk about the best way to get there. Well, I, I've yet to have somebody say to me, you know, the outcome I really want is to be as miserable as possible. And I seldom have people come to me and say, you know what? I really want to screw him. I really want to <laughs> nail him to the floor and make sure he gets nothing. Or she's not getting any money from me. And the more I can make her life miserable. People don't come in saying that. They come in saying what? I just want what's fair. I want what's fair. I want to find peace. Yeah. I want to move so, on. So the role of the neutral is to help you understand that A, there is no fair. <laughs> First of all, fairness is like beauty. It's in the eye of the beholder. It's where you sell but a pig, at, right? Yeah. Exactly. But at the same time, what is workable for you and what can make your relationship not go further south, especially if you have children? That's what you should be focusing on. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, gratitude is an attitude. It is. You know, I think of that Christian hymn, count your blessings, name them one by one. Mm -hmm. Have you heard that? I have, yep. And, and, and then you'll see what, what God's done for you. That's the point of the hymn. But I mean, we people that exercise are actively and mindfully trying to develop a gratitude, an attitude of gratitude, do better. 
you know? So if you can sit back and say things are just really awful, but if you can step back and just say, well, you know what? I have my health. I'm grateful for that. Maybe you don't have your health. Maybe you say, you know, I'm grateful that my children are healthy. You know, and you know what? If I hadn't met this man or woman, I wouldn't have those children. And they look at, exist. yeah, right, right. And people never do that, you know, but that's well, something. Some do. Yeah, well, it's do. a rare, you're right, but it's a rarity. You know? Sometimes I have to point it out. Wow. Yes. You know what? It's just, and I try to do this at the beginning of my mediations. You've seen me do this when we do, when we talk about what their big values are. And one of the things I do is I have them just name three characteristics of each of their children, each of them. And it's always wonderful things. It's mm. rare that I get a characteristic. Well, my son's a real bastard. I, I rarely <laughs> get that. I usually, right. he's smart and curious and funny and, and all these wonderful characteristics about their children. And then I, I kind of come back and say to them, okay, well, wow, that's great. You guys agree that you have two wonderful people as your children. What an achievement. Mm -hmm. We can be grateful for that. You know, and I think when you focus on those kinds of things, that's really, really helpful. You know, and it's easy to get caught up in, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to afford this house anymore. That comes up. And it's his fault. And it's his fault or it's her fault. Exactly. But yeah. you can say, but you know what? I'm grateful that I have food. Just start with those very small things. Yep. I'm grateful that I have food. I'm grateful that I have a roof over my head, even if it's not the one I want. I'm grateful that I have good kids. I'm grateful that I have a spouse that came into this process of alternative dispute resolution with me. Yeah. Or what if we have the terrorist on the other side? I'm, well, I'm grateful that I'm not the terrorist. And I'm grateful that I am divorcing the terrorist. <laughs> and he will that no longer be, be my thing, husband. Right? Yeah. Right. Um, and that I mean, I do the same thing that you say, which is when I get this litany of complaints from about, you know, she did this, he did that. And da, 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 I go, and that's why you're divorcing him. And the reaction is always, you're right. <laughs> right. And, I mean, it, and, it, and it does help to ground to remember that this litany of complaints, and that's why you're divorcing him and will not have to deal with this in the future. Isn't that great? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I sometimes I speak to a, a group of people at an organization called Second Saturday here in town, where they, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's for women who um, are going through a divorce and they come together and get information from professionals every second Saturday of the month that's available. And, and I, I go there and, and there's also a men's group that meets in the same day at the same location. And so usually what I do is we meet with the men and it, it's funny to me because there's usually like five men sitting as far away as they can possibly be and still see. <laughs> once I, 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 I sent a client there one time and I called him up and I said, so how was it? He goes, well, apart from being overwhelmed by the estrogen, it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> so then, so then I go to, yeah, then you go to the women's group up and yeah. there's, there's 50 people in the room and they're right. huddled together in packs. And, and I, I feel a little uncomfortable being a member of the male species walking in there. <laughs> and I usually get some looks, right. But but I start off by just asking them to list the emotions that they're having when they consider their divorce. And I, it usually starts up with, you know, emotions of like terror, sad, 
angry, mm-hmm. you know, those kinds of just negative emotions. And then I said, does anybody have anything positive about their divorce that they're thinking about? And then all of a sudden it's like opening the floodgates, freedom, independence, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm joyous that I'm getting a divorce. You know, there, there, some people can get to that, you yeah. know, and, 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 yeah. and then I always ask them, I said, okay, well, here's your thing. Would you rather have, I usually separate them on the whiteboard when I list them. And I'm like, would you rather have the things that are on this list of all the yucky things? Or would you rather have all these positive emotions as part of your divorce? Well, no one says, no, I really would like to be, have crippling depression. You know, no, nobody says that. They, they say, I, I would very much like to have those positive emotions. So, well, what if I could show you a way to do that? And one way to do that would be to find a process where you take the high road and you focus on these good things, these good outcomes. But you're there, right? I mean, Mark, you've been through this. Mm-hmm. And, and was it always fun? Oh, hell no. No, it was um, extraordinarily difficult each time. I know you're, you're, I always joke that you're a serial monogamist. I am a serial offender here. <laughs> um, but, but the truth of the matter is you never go into it anticipating that it won't work. You right. go into it with the best of intentions. And when it doesn't, the question now becomes is which is my best way to exit? How can I get out with the least damage is what people should be saying. And that's not what they're saying. Or if they do, they think of it purely in financial terms and not think about the consequences of getting a financially winning the financial battle. You will lose the other battles that you inevitably will have to fight. Do you think it's easier to see the positive the farther it is in your rear view window? Of course. Yes, absolutely. I, I do think that getting some distance between it. I always tell people, first of all, it's going to take you a minimum of two to three years to recover from this financially, perhaps five. Right. That's the reality. Yeah. Okay. Ouch. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So, so, so don't expect any different. And also time is a great healer. Hmm. Because, I, you know, there's often situations where there's this new wonderful person in the, in, the, in the life who's going to solve all the problems. But what's interesting is there's, there may not be exactly the same problems, but there will be issues. Every marriage is a work in progress and requires effort and input. So Marriage is hard work, for sure. Exactly. And often the realization you come to is like, yeah, I'm having some challenges here and Looking back on the other marriage, I had some challenges there too. But, you know, this one's awkward here. Didn't have that problem last time. So that that marriage gets elevated a little bit sometimes as time goes by and you've got some comparison available. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people that I talk to that are the, you know, the repeat offenders as we're joking about. I I, I have some clients that I want to give the bulk discount to, you know. (laughs) Yeah. You know, but it's usually interesting by the time they get to the third divorce, they have, they're a little more introspective than when they started with me. And they, they say, you know, I noticed one thing that is the constant here is me, you know? Mm. And so there's that self doubt, you know, gosh, am I the problem here? Yeah. Am I the difficult person to live with? I've always thought it was the other person, right? (laughs) Right. But, but there is something about introspection from a real mindful place, right? Just kind of. You know, when, when you think of mindfulness, think of it as just kind of watching traffic go by as you watch oh, yourself. It, you know, it's what the therapist will ask you. What, what did, did you have any role in this? Right. And what, what was your role? 
And that starts you thinking, when you come in pointing the finger and angry, you're not thinking about what might I have done to make things worse or to even initiate this, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and how often do you see people that have experienced trauma? Maybe they've had a life altering injury. I've seen people in wheelchairs, you know, that, mm-hmm. um, and there's, there's two camps. There's the ones that just continually, and I, I don't know what it's like to have an injury like this. So I don't want to mean to minimize what's going on with these folks, but I'm just reporting what people have said to me. You know, you see people that are like, that's awful. They never recover emotionally from what happened to them. And then you have people that rise above it and they almost all universally talk about how grateful for they, they are for the experience of mm-hmm. having been injured. Mm-hmm. And I always thought, how do, how do you do that? How, how can you be grateful that somebody ran a stoplight and put you in a wheelchair? Mm-hmm. But they do it. And, and maybe going through a divorce is, you know, it's not as, awful maybe is being put in a wheelchair maybe in some ways it's worse but can is there something about the experience that when you look at it in hindsight you can be grateful for it so what you're saying is can you find an opportunity in the chaos in the crisis yeah what is the opportunity and the opportunity is always for a little bit of growth individual growth what did we learn I'm and grateful you, for the opportunity to learn and grow. And, and I have seen that occurs. One of the reasons, what things I get to see from my standpoint as the financial is I have taken women who just have no, usually women, nine out of 10 times it's a woman. Sometimes it's a guy, but it's pretty much the woman who stayed home, concentrated on the family, raised the child, and right. now she has to handle her finances and she's terrified. She doesn't know how it works. He's been telling her there won't be enough money, that she shouldn't be getting a divorce, that she's going to be a bag lady, uh, the kids won't be able to go to private school, whatever it is, and she's just panicked. And I will say to that person, look, you're a smart person. You could, this is just, I mean, no one comes out of the womb knowing how the money works in a family. You got to learn and you can do this. And I have watched people become empowered through this process And actually, often what it does is it causes pause with the other person who has perceived themselves as the one who is the guru in this area, and suddenly they're being questioned, or their decisions um, perhaps are being regarded in a different light around the finances as the other person becomes more knowledgeable and educated. You know, one thing I've seen about, you know, the people that do well emotionally during the divorce and the people that struggle a little more during the divorce... Um, the people that do well continue to live like they don't just, some folks just become so depressed. It becomes debilitating. They can't, I've had people say, I can't even think I'm not able to think right now. I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't think. Um, but kind of getting out of that place where you are, that muck where you are and living your life, making new plans, Mm -hmm. going out with friends finding new friends if you don't have them, exercising, taking care of your body and your mind. That's a big one, I believe. Yeah. I think being able to, you know, I. it's like, you know, when you have the depressed person that won't get out of bed because they're depressed, they can't get themselves out of bed. And sometimes it takes someone to get in there and drag them out of bed and say, you've got to live your life, you know? Mm-hmm. 
and I, I don't mean to, I'm, I'm not talking about folks that, you know, have clinical medical depression where they, the only, you know, it's a chemical, but, but, but some people just need to pull themselves out of it. And if you can't pull yourself out of it, then get the help you need to be able to pull yourself out so that you can have your head held up high and you can be strong and you can, you can find things to be grateful for and to be happy about. And be careful if you're trying to get the help from friends and family. Yes. <laughs> because they may not steer you in the right direction, which is the nicest way I can put it. Well, I mean, we've talked about it on this podcast before, the Greek chorus of divorce. Yep. Right? And what we want people to do is find the support, be grateful for, I have people that love me, but then take their advice with a grain of salt and focus yeah. on professionals who can give the advice. Yeah, because we've seen a lot of heartache that way, right? Yep, we have indeed. We have indeed. Well, looks like we've done it again, and uh, we're able yeah. to do it without counselor. Well, you know, I'm 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 grateful for this opportunity because it enabled me to step up outside of my comfort zone, and also it allowed you to play <laughs> a uh, play a psychologist on the uh, on the podcast, even though you don't play one in real life. Well, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm an armchair psychologist. There you go. But I mean, you and I have seen enough of these divorces to kind of know. Yeah. Yep. We've seen, the, I always kind of joke with my clients, I've seen this movie before, you yep. know? Yep. And um, there are certain principles and pulling yourself up and being grateful, having an attitude of gratitude makes a difference in how happy you are through the process of the divorce. Maybe you're not and, happy at all, but maybe you could live with it and then you can move on and be happy later. And think strategically, please. Yeah. Think about outcomes. Is what you're doing going to make things better, get a better result for you in the large scheme of things? So our challenge to, to those of you that are out there, maybe you're eating your turkey by yourself this for the first time. Pull out that journal and start making a list of what you can be grateful for. Think about the future. Think about pulling yourself out because it does get better. It does get better. There is life after divorce. All right. Well, Mark, if they wanted to get a hold of you to talk about their money after divorce, what would they do? They would uh, go to my website, which is Pacific Divorce Management is my company, PACDivorce, P-A-C-D-I-V-O-R-C-E.com. And if you want to get a hold of me to solve any dispute that you have, we will match you with a mediator that will help you resolve your dispute. Go to WeberDisputeResolution.com. WeberDisputeResolution.com. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Three Wisemen of Divorce, Money, Psych, and Law. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe, leave us a review, and share with others who may be in a similar place. Until next time, stay safe, healthy, and focused on a positive, bright future. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Every family law case is unique, so no legal, financial, or mental health advice is intended during this podcast. If you need help with your specific situation, feel free to schedule a time to speak with one of us for a personal consultation.